guys, it's Michelle. I know it's been a while since I've done a podcast, almost a year, I think. Uh, But the more uh, questions and DMs and emails I get about certain specific issues um, about Crohn's or Crohn's and pregnancy medications, I really want to be able to address them and have a space that you can refer back to as a resource. I've been doing that through blog posts for years, um, but wanted to have an additional way for you to uh, take in that that uh, information and kind of feel like there's a, a friend who's talking you through it because sometimes that is what we need. So the first topic that I'm going to chat about on, on today's episode is Remicade and pregnancy. So I get so many questions about this on Instagram, and it's kind of scary because I'm not a medical professional, and there's not really that much information out there around Remicade and pregnancy. So I'm going to give you guys a backstory on me starting Remicade, my pregnancy with my son, and then now being pregnant again with my daughter and how that's kind of evolved. Um, So I started on Remicade after being diagnosed with Crohn's. It was about a year and a half that I was on um, Simzia, another just a shot biologic. And when I went on Remicade, um, one of the big selling factors of it, I guess, was that it was one of the only IBD drugs that is approved to use throughout pregnancy. So at that time I was in my, you know, early mid twenties, um, not super focused on, on having kids, but they said, Hey, probably, you know, for the next 10 years, you'll be able to be on this. So, okay, great. Fast forward to, uh, you know, starting to, to try to get pregnant with Maddox, my son, um, and they're first off with fertility and IBD, there are just so many mixed messages. I had some providers or some doctors, even within the same practice saying, oh my gosh, it's going to be so difficult. You'll be lucky if you can, you know, sustain a pregnancy, you need to be in remission to be, to, you know, get pregnant. And then other doctors that were saying, yeah, it shouldn't be an issue at all. Um, so there was a lot of anxiety that I had around there and, and a lot of uh, just uncertainty because I have never been in remission since I was diagnosed with Crohn's back in 2015. But luckily, I was able to get pregnant with my son. And we it just happened to be at the very beginning of COVID. So um it was very uncertain times, and it was before we can know what we know now. Um, there was a lot of concern from my doctors around me being on an immunosuppressant and the effects that COVID could potentially have on me um, carrying the baby. But then when I met with the high-risk doctors of the maternal and fetal medicine, which I would have to do anyway, having Crohn's and, you know, being on, um, being on Remicade, um, they talked me through some of the potential risks of Remicade getting to, getting through the placenta to the baby. So 
basically what the, the guidance was before that was you can stay on Remicade for your first and second trimester because there's no evidence that it passes through the placenta to the baby. Uh, but then once you hit the third trimester, there is, uh, there is proof that it, it does pass through to the baby. And one of the issues that could come up from that, uh, result from that, is the baby having a weakened immune system once they're born for the first, I believe it's six weeks or something like that. So, you know, no live vaccines. And and usually it wouldn't have been such a concern for me. Um, but with COVID, they were like, do you really want to have this new baby during a pandemic that's immunosuppressed? And obviously I'm like, Definitely not. Like, what do I need to do to keep my child safe? Um, and just to, to pause here, it that was the guidance that I was getting from one doctor. There was still a lot of other mixed guidance from, you know, different practitioners that I was seeing where some were saying it was safe, some were saying it wasn't. So it's not like it was a, a cut and dry thing. It was really me pushing, saying I want to, I need to stay on it as long as possible. Um, and then maternal and fetal medicine working with me there and my gastro working with me there. So I, I'm staying on it. I decide that I'm not, I'm going to go off it for the third trimester and I do. And throughout the pregnancy, I mean, I had had some Crohn's symptoms, wasn't feeling great, but my second trimester wasn't, you know, super difficult or anything. Um, but then when I went off the Remicade, I started to feel really sick. Super difficult for me to just like get through the day. Crohn's symptoms were flaring. I was absolutely exhausted. I, um, I also lost a lot of weight at the beginning of my pregnancy because I w- was feeling so sick. And I still like wasn't really putting on weight towards the end of the pregnancy because I wasn't able to eat anything. Um, so it was definitely taking a toll on my body. So when I went in for my 37 week appointment, um, one of the, the OBs that was there was like, you do not look okay. And I'm like, I don't feel okay. So they sent me directly over to labor and delivery. And I had some other things, uh, going on, um, suspected coleostasis. I never know if I say that right, but it's, <laughs> you can Google it. Um, and they were like, okay, we're going to induce you and try and, you know, get this baby out so we can get your body back to normal. So the, I have a whole podcast and a whole post on Maddox's birth story, which was, you know, its own, its own story in and of itself. Um, but they ended up doing a C-section. He was born at 37 weeks. And then I was able to start on my Remicade. So I guess it was, it was a couple weeks after my C-section, I went in and I had to, you know, build back up getting the Remicade in my system. Um, I was still having symptoms. Um, it wasn't, nothing was really resolved. I feel like that time was such a blur though, too, because I was just in postpartum craziness. So like, I didn't know, like, it's just all the pain is in the same area in your abdomen and you're like trying to heal after a major abdominal surgery just as, it was a blur. But um, for the 
I would say when he was like three months old, I noticed that things really weren't getting better. And I was still breastfeeding and formula feeding mixed together until about six months. And my gastro suggested like, hey, if you are not totally into breastfeeding, um, which at the point at that point I was kind of debating whether to continue or not, because Maddox was not into it. I was really just forcing it <laughs> upon him. Um, he's like, it could help if you stop because then your hormones could kind of rebalance and um, maybe you could see some relief there. So six months I stopped breastfeeding. I felt infinitely better. My hormones, I guess, evened out. So everything, everything was good there. So um, I guess I have to do this, the math in my, in my head. So late, late last year, so late 2021, so right after Maddox turned one, um, I met with one of the nurse practitioners at my gastro practice. Um, and it was actually two of them, like back to back times were like, Hey, you're developing some antibodies to the Remicade. Um, so just like letting you know, you could potentially have to switch in the future. Um, and they knew that I was hoping to have, you know, another baby. Um, and if I was going to stay on Remicade through that pregnancy and not kind of go down a, a route of figuring out a new medication to take and, and if it's safe during pregnancy, all of that, they're like, yeah, I would, you know, just think about that. So we started trying for baby number two, um, and going into it, I knew I was going to 100% push to stay on Remicade the whole time, um, because of the experience last time. So that is, that's what happened. I, um, got pregnant with our daughter. Um, I'm just, I'm almost 25 weeks now. So um, immediately, like at my first OB appointment, that was something that I discussed is wanting and needing to stay on Remicade the whole time. Um, because I need to keep my body healthy to, to sustain the pregnancy and to make sure that she's growing. And also I need to be here and functioning for my son too, and my family. Um, so I got buy-in from my OB. She was totally on board with that. She's like, yes, definitely stay on it. Um, my gastro said the same thing. He was like 100% totally for this, whatever you need me to do. Like I will write, I will write a note like (laughs) to the hospital, like I, whatever it needs to do. Um, but there's still mixed messages around that. So I have my regular OB and my regular gastro that I see, but it's like, you're not always seeing the same people every time that you're going to the, to the practice. And I'm there so frequently, it can be really mixed messages around like, well, are you sure? Like, why are you doing this? And, um, you know, there's always the, I feel like with pregnancy, there's always, they're always trying to err on the side of caution because no one wants to be the person that's like, yeah, I recommended you do this. And you know, it harmed your baby or it harmed a pregnant person. Like that is just such a, an area where they tiptoe around and don't want to, you know, really be responsible for anything bad happening. Um, so it's a hard to get straightforward advice and everything's kind of like, well, it wasn't tested. So we don't know, or there aren't enough studies. So we don't know. 
So I feel like the general consensus is to push on more conservative treatment and, you know, if there's even a chance of something passing the baby, hey, let's back off and not do that. Even if there's not, you know, a a proven uh, negative effect on the baby. So that was kind of a just a difficult mental space for me to be in because you are advocating and pushing for something that is medically not necessarily, I don't want to say not approved because it is approved, but there's not concrete proof of like, yes, women have been, you know, doing this for years and we're all on board with it. Like it's, it's almost like you're making a decision and and you have to make the decision for yourself, your, your medical provider, they can suggest, but really with this, it's, it's up to you and it's up to you to advocate and push. If you feel like, you know, you need to be on it. And for me, it just, and from the informal discussions I had with, you know, my medical team, the benefits far outweighed any risks. Um, but that leads to the point of like, why is it so hard to find data around this, to find studies, um, and why is the decision placed on the mother or, you know, the family who's not a medical professional who doesn't specialize in this area, um, but you're kind of out there to have to make the decision by yourself. And I've heard that is with a lot of things in, in pregnancy, um, not just, you know, IBD or Crohn's related, but, um, just, you know, with different medications and and treatments, things like that for, for, um, other diseases, um, because there aren't that many studies and no one wants to be the guinea pig. Um, and that's something that actually this time around, I, asked at one of my first, uh, OB appointments with this pregnancy, I'm like, Hey, do you have anyone that I could talk to? Or do you have experience with a patient who has been flaring in their Crohn's and stayed on their medication the entire time? And they said, no, there's, they have, do not have anyone. I'm the first case that they've experienced. Um, which is crazy to me. And I, I know that sometimes, a lot of the times it's, it's, um, it, people who have autoimmune diseases will go into remission during pregnancy because the immune system is, I don't know the science behind it, but, um, so I know that that's common, but just, it's not like I'm living in the middle of nowhere. I'm in a very, you know, populated area. And it was just, it's kind of scary to think, okay, there's no one else that has been through this. There's no one else that I can talk to about this. And I really felt like that my first pregnancy too. And that's why I started to share more about it, um, on social and it blows my mind. That's probably the most like frequent topic or most popular topic that people message me about is Remicade and pregnancy because they can't find any information that's definitive online. They can't get a definitive answer out of their OB or their gastro. And they are just searching on the internet for someone who's been in a similar situation. Um, and that is the same boat that, that I'm in. Um, 
so there's no, I, it's not like I have a solution that I'm like, yeah, this is what we need to do to make it better. Um, it just kind of, it sucks. And there are other people out there that, that are going through it. And I think by me talking about it and having people reach out and, and share their story, I've realized that, um, that there's a lot larger of a community of people that, um, need this support, but then it's also very frustrating at the same time because there's a huge need for this. And why, why is that not being addressed? Um, so yeah, that's, that's where I'm at. I am staying on the Ramicade throughout my whole pregnancy. Um, I have started to feel worse this time around earlier on than I did with Maddox. Um, my first trimester was super rough. I was having a lot of morning sickness and, and nausea and fatigue, um, more than I did with him, but I asked for an anti-nausea immediately off the bat. Um, so that ha- has been helpful. Um, I was hoping to have sort of that like second trimester blissful state before things get crazy. Um, but didn't really have that because over the past, I would say month or so, um, my Crohn's symptoms have, have flared up. Um, and it's hard to tell why, because they know, I know in the past pregnancy has aggravated my Crohn's symptoms. Um, but it's not like they can, you know, go in and, or they don't want to go in and do a colonoscopy when I'm pregnant. So it's kind of just managing symptoms until we can get to, um, you know, get to a point where, where baby is safely here and then they can, you know, figure out what to do with me. Um, but it is concerning that I am sick earlier on. Um, so I've, I've already talked to my OB about a plan for delivery. Um, so we're thinking 37 weeks again, um, scheduled C-section because there is just no way if I'm feeling how I'm feeling now that, you know, we're going to be able to, to make it to, um, the original 39 weeks that we were hoping or 40 weeks. Um, and at 37 weeks, that's, you know, that's the time that they have deemed will be safe for, for baby. So that is my plan right now. It's is up in the air. can always (laughs) change. Um, as far as like checkups this time around, I'm still going to maternal and fetal medicine, Um, they like to track the baby's growth just with Crohn's to make sure you're, you know, absorbing nutrients properly, um, make sure that nothing with, you know, medications that I'm on are, are impacting the growth at all. So everything is looking great there. Um, and that was pretty much the same situation with Maddox where it's like, yeah, baby's doing great. You're not doing great though. Um, which, you know, that leads me into a whole, whole other topic of, of guilt and, and just so many more things to unpack there. But, um, just wanted to, to get this out there and record this. So if you have any questions or need any support, I am, I'm here for you. I know it's so tough and there's, it's weird. It's a small, but also large community of us that are experiencing this. So, we have to stick together, share our stories, and make sure that we're advocating for what's best for us and what's best for our babies and our families, because we know our bodies. And as much as you know, it it's 
difficult to to be the one to make those decisions and we might not have medical training um you you have to feel empowered to you know make the best decision for for yourself and your baby so I hope that this was helpful to someone out there um my dms are always open you can find me on instagram chronically bond c-r-o-h-n-i-c-a L-L-Y, blonde. And you can always email me at uh, michelle at chronically blonde as well. Michelle at chronically blonde.com. All right. Well, thanks for listening, guys. I have a bunch more topics I'm going to dig into over the next couple of weeks. So thanks for being here and uh, I'll I'll be back soon. (laughs) 